YouTube and LinkedIn now. Yeah, cool. How are you doing, Linda? Awesome. Yeah, we've had had the fun House and Senate Bipartisan Agriculture Committee talking about Bitcoin democratizing our banking system just yesterday. Like, I mean, we, we have we have movement awesome, in this yeah. space and a lot of big players asking some of the right questions and still muddling about in some of the the stuff that it's yeah it's an interesting balance we're looking to find collectively yeah, cool. right now nice um okay um i think we're live i can see i can see us in the live feed and okay let's start um welcome this is my first on um, Boss Topics. Um, I dressed up for it because it's the first, so I put on a jacket. I'm wearing pajama pants though, so <laughs> COVID. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Um, my name is Marina. I'm the podcast host. Uh, today I have Linda and Valerie. Linda is vice president and of the board of directors for the Blockchain Chamber of Commerce. And I have my notes here, so I'm looking over. Valerie um, is a blockchain researcher at International Center of Appropriate and Sustainable Technology. Welcome for this conversation. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks for having us. Awesome. Happy so can you give us a quick intro about your role at the company? Linda, let's start with you. Your role at the company, what do you do briefly uh, for context for the audience? Absolutely. Uh, I, I am with the Blockchain Chamber of Commerce, and uh, it's it's been an amazing journey since uh, 2012 when I first engaged with blockchain technology. And uh, 2018, I first connected with the founding team at the Chamber and have been on a, a very fun progression um, with the, the leadership there and actually was instrumental in helping convert it to a 501c3, just uh yeah, at just at the beginning, um, actually very, very end of last year, and um, super excited to be going into 2022, supporting the community, meeting the social mandate of the chamber, which is raising awareness, facilitating adoption, and inspiring advocacy. And that's for commerce, consumers, and people building their careers in and around blockchain. So it's wonderful to have this opportunity to educate, connect, and uh, support the the moving thank forward you. of innovation. Thank you, Valerie. You. How about so you? Thank you, Marina. Yeah, so yeah, I'm Valerie Spina. Um, yeah, I'm working with a company called ICAST, the International uh, Center for Appropriate and Sustainable Technology, um, and I'm a blockchain researcher here. And so um, what's sort of fun and interesting about this role, actually, is it's funded through AmeriCorps. And um, I think what we're really trying to do here at ICAST and with this role is put a whole dichotomy around blockchain and social impact um, and making sure that this technology is actually going to have positive impacts on the people that kind of need it the most. Um, and what ICAST does is 
ultimately sort of these um, green retrofits for multifamily affordable housing units. Um, and so we do sort of everything with this one-stop shop um, from, uh, you know, consulting you to uh, helping you with the financing to actually implementing all of this uh, green energy technology and, and, again, green upgrades to multifamily affordable housing, which has some pretty unique issues in itself. Um, and so, yeah, so I came in to sort of look at, okay, well, how is blockchain going to impact our business? Um, how is it going to impact energy and power? How can we make sure it positively impacts low-income tenants and, and, again, people in general kind of on the margins? So um, there's really a whole kind of new dichotomy, I think, that's a, around this space, too, that I'm really happy and excited to kind of be building out from, from the ground up a lot, too. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's what we do. Love yeah. it, love it. Um, and I am not an expert in blockchain, but I do study blockchain from a technology perspective as an engineer. And I am super excited to have this conversation. What was your start in blockchain? Or, and even, I know, Linda, you have a cool story you want to tell us about your Bitcoin. You do, Linda, go Bitcoin. first. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, my, my start with blockchain technology was through the Bitcoin blockchain. And it's kind of an interesting little educational piece. Bitcoin with a big B is actually referring to the blockchain and Bitcoin with a little B refers to the actual coins or the, the store of value that you can own um, and, and claim as, as, as your asset. Um, so it, it was... Oh my goodness! Back uh, back when there were no convenient coin bases to go to, um, there there wasn't the uh, even the the talk around the the regulatory structure that there currently is, and uh, I was just you know caught a pop up on my my parents' computer during the holidays and when what is a Bitcoin faucet like really like. What kind of worm bug bad stuff are people trying to, you know, get you to click on now? And um, it just got me curious enough because I didn't know what Bitcoin was. And that's when I started digging, just kind of researching, figuring out, you know, what is it? Um, very interesting rabbit holes, um, even at that time. And uh, yeah, got got a like a, a compelling sense of this is important. This is something different. This is a um, this is a something that I want to touch and engage with. And it's like it's it's digital, so you can't touch it, right? You know. But you know these these strings of, of letters and, and numbers define your your ownership. It's an address to you know where you hold. A, a different kind of value. And of course, my husband thought, you know, internet funny money, what are you talking about? Um, so I, I had to go through the, the educational process for myself to be able to come back to him with, you know, this is an uncorrelated asset class, this is a diversification for our portfolio, and it's a potential chaos hedge because if we have inflation, um, you know, it, it may be something that can balance against that as a different type of store of value. And so he finally came to the point of saying, okay, let's, let's buy some. And so that was the beginning of my journey, having a transition from, you know, a pile of cash to a string of letters and numbers is a really scary thing, right? It, it was, it wasn't something that I felt comfortable with at all. 
Um, but I, I just felt really, really strongly that it was something that was going to be an important aspect of how how value was was uh, grown for for my family. It, it just it was I, I can't even describe the the sense of necessity almost that there was to to taking that leap of faith into a digital world. And, um, you know, I've, I've since, you know, done research about fear and fear of the unknown and fear of missing out. And um, I think it was kind of fear of the known that was my driver um, at the time, just understanding where the financial markets were. Um, I, I think that was a really big piece of the puzzle. But, yeah, the progression has been really interesting since then. Obviously, we've had huge ups and downs. Um, but a, a really impressive trend line of, of value um, growing over time. So been been very thankful for that Good. Genesis block nice. of my journey into blockchain. Valerie, what was your start yeah. with blockchain? <laughs> yeah, and I, I just like love that story, Linda, just like finding some ad on the internet and <laughs> being like, okay, let's go. Um, yeah, so I think um, I, I sort of like, now that I'm uh, in more of an official role, I feel like I have to be okay with admitting that my start was uh, from a more uh, degenerate beginning. Um, we were, uh, it was just me and a bunch of friends, um, you know, kind of uh, loving the internet and growing up on the internet and finding Bitcoin and getting involved. And, um, you know, it was at the time, this was like 2011 and you had to like Western Union, Mount Gox, like, you know, a hundred bucks. And it was like the only money we had <laughs> to like spend. And we just like thought like, <laughs> there's no way we're getting this money back from some company in China. Like there's just, you know, I, I like remember I went to the Western Union at the giant in my um, hometown. And I was just like, this is, I this is gone. Like, there's just no way. And, um, and so we just kind of had it and we were kids on the internet. And um, uh, we kept like a, a group wallet for a, a while. And now, um, you know, years later, you know, I got more involved once I had, um, you know, more disposable income and kind of started investing more in altcoins and uh, just more in Bitcoin. And, um, you know, I kind of started to see the space was changing over to um, really as of this year, I, you know, it, it boomed in, it boomed since 2017. Um, and I was working then for um, Freddie Mac and um, as an internal consultant. And, um, it was just it was just booming and the space was really changing and taking on a lot more you know credibility and all of the startups that were coming in and so i finally um i found this role through a uh, through americorps and with icast and i was just it, it felt really right to sort of jump in officially as like a full-time role you know a former role and and do some research and um also kind of join all of my interests together of technology and blockchain and social impact and um yeah, so that's that's how I got here. Nice, I love that. I love that. Uh, we have a few, like a lot of basics to cover, and I, I don't know. Like I feel like the audience could be very educated about this by now. Everybody's talking about blockchain and cryptocurrency. What are some of the biggest misconceptions about what some of these terms mean that maybe we can highlight uh, without having to go into the definition of all of it? So, you know. Uh, I, I think DAO is one. I think NFT could be one mm. that we could touch base on. Where Where is Web3 and how do we get there? Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. All that stuff. So let's, let's tackle a few of your favorites. Yeah. 
I do love um, how many people ask me right now, what is an NFT? <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, th- I think I do a lot of NFT 101s. I, I sort of have gotten to this phrasing of, I look at NFTs as just the data container. It's just the data container for unique asset values. That's also a unique kind of data container for blockchain environments. And so I think like that is how I try to simplify it down. And so people can understand what they can do with them and that NFTs aren't just like, uh, you know, JPEGs <laughs> that are selling for, you know, six figures. Like that's not what an NFT is. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a data container that we can do a lot more with. Yeah. Totally. How about you, Linda? What is the question you get asked the most? What is doing the blank? Um, um, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough question because there's, there's misconceptions that are, are there that people don't recognize as misconceptions. And that's to me, one of the biggest pain points I see is when people are talking about blockchain, they say mm. the blockchain and have no conceptual awareness that there are multiple blockchains and that there's big, big differences between public blockchains and private blockchains and, you know, blockchains that are, you know, really uh, uh, federated, I guess is the word to, to use, but but they're, they're a blend and they have very, very, very different capabilities and, you know, different levels of, of access and, you know, when, when I hear these conversations about the blockchain and they they put some of the components of the Bitcoin blockchain into their description and then spread this wide brush, you know, about blockchain, um, that, that that's probably where my mm. my biggest frustration um, lies, because it, it creates a environment of misinformation. And there's there's also the awareness that there's an ownership aspect to holding things on blockchains. And we've had this plethora mm-hmm. of third-party providers and mm-hmm. exchanges and um, you know, ways to um, kind of separate the, the human and the, the ownership of their digital asset. And you know, even with NFTs, you know, there's places where you you can buy an NFT, but there's literally no way for you to custody it, custo- custody it, or have a custodial role with that NFT. It literally has mm-hmm. to live with the the custodial platform. Um, it it's that's another frustration. Some people don't realize where their ownership actually lies. And, you know, there's some people that, you know, go with it if it's if it's not your (laughs) I Um, think you could you can tell that's one of my my little, uh, you know, points of of caution for people, you know, when I'm trying to raise awareness and facilitate adoption. It's like be aware of, of what you're engaging with and the right that you have to hold it and in what type of. Um, yeah. security level are you actually maintaining? I, so those are some really important things. Yeah, I, I, I see Valerie. I know. I think I think you actually make a really good point about like what what is the biggest misconception, which I actually think is like what is the the biggest misconception also being like what is the paradigm shift going on here? I think people don't I think that's actually a big misconception is that people don't aren't totally aware that there's 
a massive paradigm shift that blockchain allows. And it's what is exactly what you said, Linda, that um, we're now able to hold our digital assets and um, we're able to participate in decentralized data storage, like for a, a like a global amount of data, <laughs> you know, including ours. And I think that that is, yeah, such a massive paradigm shift that people don't really under, yeah, understand that that's what so blockchain technology explain, can allow us to do. Yeah. yeah, how would you explain that shift? Because it is hard to conceptualize. So what is now and versus, well, technically now is the shift, right? So what is before yeah. versus the future? Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, so I, I, I put it, I like the web one to web two, web three, um, uh, way of explaining this. So like web one was the, um, you were only able to read the, the internet. You were only able to read it. You couldn't sort of interact with it. Web, web two was, um, what we're in now where you're able to read and write, but it's um, centralized, right, by a bunch of big tech companies, kind of Google, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, um, and uh, all of your data is stored by their centralized server systems, right? And and you don't you don't own any of that, and that's how they that's how they make all of their money, money anyways, yep. kind of off of the off of the data that we slough off, we slough off data, and um, Web three is this new development in. No, your digital identity is yours and you hold and store all of your own data. And there's a lot of possibilities from what we might be able to do with that. I think sort of the turning data into value is still in the works, but um, ultimately we're able, the blockchain's able to move us away from these centralized storage systems into decentralized storage that we're able to be a part of because your CPU, your GPU, the ASICs that you own, all of those things are able to run and uh, store all of our data. And we're able to participate in that now rather than, you know, need sort of these big tech companies behind it to hold of all of our data and interact with their platforms to then use and interact with our own data. So um, I think that is the biggest thing. Linda, uh, add on to that if I missed anything. I, I'm just, I love your slough yeah. off data. Um, I'm, I'm just, you know, thinking, about, you know, as we as humans, we slough yes, you know, the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, it, it's just, it's, it's the dust of, yeah. of the internet, right? All, all over the place. My digital footprint belongs to the digital environments into which I have provisioned myself, usually with a username and password. And then the entity that holds that space owns mm -hmm. my digital footprint. And that's how Web2 has, has operated and, and made money, mm -hmm. a lot of money. And what I, what I love about what I'm seeing come together, um, and Web3 hasn't been defined. Um, the, the spatial web, um, you know, we, we have a lot of different ways that people are looking at it because it's, it's coalescing and it's coalescing through the integration of patent stacks. I say patent stacks. Um, it, it's technology stacks, many of which are patented. Um, so there's and it, I'm, I'm sure we can get into a fun conversation around, you know, what should be, you know, open sourced and why and. But the, the reality is things are being built today that actually are in existence today 
where you and I can own mm-hmm. our digital footprint. And I've, I've had conversations, you know, with representatives of huge international bank organizations that have told me that people don't want to take responsibility, right? Over 90% of people just don't want to be responsible and they abdicate mm-hmm. responsibility. And we've done that with the web um, where where we, we just provision the, the yeah. right to our data um, to entities that we then trust to secure it. Um, and allow us to utilize it as we see fit. But the reality is they also utilize mm-hmm. it as they see fit. And to to have the right to choose, and it's a responsibility too, right? That That's what we have to recognize. Web3 is going to open doors of responsibility that because many people won't want to walk through them, there will once again be the third-party mm-hmm. providers that are the gateways to web three yeah. worlds. And you know, we have we have examples of that already. Um, the transitioning of ownership um, into web three from large organizations is is being done right now. And if you want to talk about a land grab, um, you know, you don't have to look at the sandbox, you know, for for uh, you know the examples, but I I'm hopeful that there will be an implementation that takes us back to when land was the the open yeah. spaces that could be used the public by, goods yeah the totally um you know england england has a beautiful example of how that you know, should have continued working. They also had the feudal system and some really negative aspects. But if, if we could go back to the commons, literally being the digital worlds collectively, where we as humans could walk through those worlds and, and respect each other's spaces, right? But but be connecting the digital and physical mm-hmm. in a way that we can yeah. interact without some of the ownership barriers that currently totally. exist. I think um, you're even I think I think there's some opportunity right now for that to like literally open yeah. source the digital touch points to what is our current physical world without assigning ownership to those yeah. touch points to any entity human. It's it's a it's the commons. It's a it's a collective yeah. open source locational connectivity from physical to digital and back again. I think we know anyway, that, that's makes my, sense. I love this my conversation point. because it also speaks from a different lens of abundance versus scarcity, right? Which is like, you know, most mm. capitalist driven transactions are from a lens of scarcity. Like I land grab is a perfect example of that. There's limited amount of mm. land land grab versus like to me that is incongruent with tech because it is something that you can create and there should always be able to in some way shape or form create more of it and i i like this perspective and i think it comes from also like the fact that we are three women talking about blockchain right now which i i love (laughs) to recognize um because this was specific and uh perhaps we're not necessarily the you know what you would think about the average group of people talking about blockchain which is exciting (laughs) 
Well, and I, I want to add to Linda's too. I think that you even start to, and it is very exciting, uh, all women. I'm, <laughs> I'm so, I'm happy to be a part of it. Um, but I think that you, we even start to get into like the theory of utility, which I'm also interested in how blockchain and web three might enable a fully open, actualized, decentralized internet, which was like the, you know, initial, uh, kind of vision for the internet also that then got decentralized and kind of conglomerated and then might be decentralized again. And, um, but yeah, like the theory of the, uh, of utility finally, and maybe the internet as a, as a fully actualized utility at some point in time, I don't know how many people agree with that, but, (laughs) but, um, I think that that's definitely an interesting thing that the blockchain kind of decentralized internet can finally enable. If we get practical for a second here, how does one currently today start to access the tools that are Web3 versus Web2? Yeah, so I could, yeah, I can talk a little bit uh, first, Linda, and then you can go. Um, uh, you got to have a wallet. <laughs> you got to have a, uh, you, you got to start with a wallet. You got to set up wallet. a wallet and you got to buy, yeah, and you got to, uh, you got to purchase some kind of token. Okay. So get on some kind of, uh, you know, decentralized exchange, um, start purchasing some tokens. And then um, I think just kind of dive in, um, you know, get on the, uh, find something you're interested in first, like, um, you know, just Ethereum or Bitcoin, even just the, the biggest two kind of groups, um, get on some kind of discord page start talking to people, find other applications, um, games, uh, ecosystems. Yeah. And just sort of like start to get involved But but the wallet really carries you through as your, your, you know, digital identity kind of all mm. the way. Thank you. Yeah. I love, love that you said, you know, start with the wallet. Um, it, it's, it's really going to be holding our signature into the omniverse. Like that, that really is what our digital wallet is going to be um, going forward. But I, I was kind of chuckling when you said, you know, you, you have to get a token. Actually, there's there's ways to interact um, where, where you don't mm. have to get a token. Like, for instance, the Nifty oh, Gateway, um, you know, oh, yeah. Gemini, the, the Winklevoss twins said, you know, they're, they're super smart businessmen. They, they thought, you know, if we can take one piece of the complexity out of the puzzle for people, they're more likely to engage. So you can, with fiat, you can buy an NFT and they'll actually custody mm. it for you, right? So there's there's ways to engage with, with aspects of digital ownership um, that, that don't require having to, to get a token um, or a coin. But my my personal opinion is engaging with the the modalities of value transfer is is really an empowering thing to do. And this is not financial advice. Um, I can just tell you from my personal experience, Bitcoin is the best performing (laughs) asset of all time in my portfolio. And I I think you can find the stats to, to back that up for anybody else's portfolio. Um, that has held it over time. And, um, you know, there's some people that might have hype cycled in at sixty to $70,000, and now they're going, this is not the investment I thought it would be. Like, long-term perspective in this space is key, right? Long-term perspective. 
I've, I've watched it grow for 10 years. That's long-term perspective. But I wouldn't have had the, the story that I do if I had freaked out the first time it went to a thousand and then came crashing back down to, you know, around a hundred ish. Right. Like that, that would have been the end of my story if I had let emotions drive my choices. Um, so anyway, that's the, how do you engage? Um, the, the cryptocurrency side of it is a really empowering aspect but the 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 connectivity between humans outside of value transfer is really in my opinion one of the most empowering and powerful aspects of web3 so we have i was i was on a ieee call yesterday amazing gentleman um presented uh, i'd like to see some women more women presenting and, and engaging in that space but um it, it was it was a really interesting awareness building um, uh, around the spatial web and the technology stacks that are there and the aspects of communication and secure communication um, that were were spoken about are are also very very empowering. Um, they're also very frightening to to global governments. So this is this is a very unique time and and it's a balancing act with with what's going on with the opportunity that technology brings and the constraints that many governments feel need to be mm -hmm. put in place to keep bad actors from taking advantage of those opportunities. So we're, we're hopeful that innovation won't be stifled, that there, there will be an opportunity for you and I to own our own digital footprint, to be able to have secure communications, to you know, take that control back of our digital footprint. It's uh, it's an interesting time of, of innovation. So um, totally, I, I would recommend that people research, um, you know, start looking up terms like the mm -hmm. spatial web, um, you know, start to start to understand, you know, Bitcoin as more than just mm -hmm. a commodity. It's also enabling freedom of speech in a very unique way. And there's there's just component parts to what this emerging mm -hmm. stack enables that I think are really positive yeah. and empowering um, globally. Like it, this is this is a it's not a, a U.S. thing. It's this global, isn't yeah. just a you know techie nerdy thing. You know this is this is really a, a huge um, positive. Um, for, for people everywhere. Yeah. What is, so. I think, yeah, go ahead. If I, can, go, go ahead oh, if I can add, Marie, too, yeah. I think this is also a really cool space right now. And I'm hoping this stays like this forever, but like you can dive in and um, learn so much just within 30 days or within a couple months or six months. And the longer you stay in, the more and the more you just kind of have an ear to the the ground and I, I call it sitting in the stream you know the the more you know and the more you're a part of stuff there's just so much going on here it everything knowledge is really accessible i i think about the knowledge here as being as decentralized as, as the technology itself so there's just so many opportunities to like learn and get involved and um it's it's fully accessible too so i hope that encourages people to, I, to learn. I, love, yeah. I think that you nailed like the fact that there's so many players. Part of the public confusion is probably like which player, regardless of blockchain, cryptocurrency, DAO, NFT, right? Which player am I going to bet on, right? 
Um, and mm-hmm. I wonder if you've heard of it. Ed- yeah. Yeah, you, I, I wonder if you if you've uh, if there has been conversations about some type of coalition that um, may mm. keep a multiplayer game in place versus a mon- oligopoly mon- monopoly type of play that it's happening right now in Web two, and mm. maybe that would be a good way of keeping a bunch of players still in the game, not necessarily centralizing the power enough of a few companies, but keeping them talking and collaborating together. Because part of the big, 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 uh, the big thing is like with multiple blockchain and multiple coins and multiple things, how are these things going to interact together? Um, and how are going to hold value in the space as well? Hmm. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Linda. (laughs) The universal framework of things consortium is at its genesis point hmm. right now. So that that is happening and it's really, really important to understand that all of the players that currently exist in Web2 are, are entity things that can be part of the universal framework of things. And it, you don't have to have a winner takes all or a you know, zero sum game. This is an opportunity for any entity that wants to participate. And I, I say this on the on the human level, right? Entity as as in one 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 bit in the human chain. Um, we we collectively can participate in the universal framework of things. And you know, when you think of a thing being a blockchain or a thing being meta or a thing being a metaverse, it, it kind of reframes how you, you think about what the, the digital future could look like. And so we're, we're on that pathway and there's the tech stacks that enable it. And it's the, the conversations bringing the people collectively together to help make that outcome be human centric and not institutional or country centric that is I love that. really really vital thank you for that okay um what is your the project uh or um blockchain implementation that you're most excited about right now oh i don't even want to tell people because <laughs> i'm so excited Do about it. this what Do it. i don't even want to tell people um I'm really excited about a project called Helium, which I don't think is even that unknown. Um, I think I think I think just Helium has such an incredible model um, to it. So Helium is um, it's a LoRaWAN network, um, which is uh, for for those that don't know what LoRaWAN is, it's just another kind of co- connectivity network, sort of like Wi-Fi. LoRaWAN is a, a lower power and a wider range network, and it's usually used for like IoT devices. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, the device that you have on your dog's collar, if your dog gets out, you need a LoRaWAN network to make sure that we can send data, you know, from the device back to you and you can find your dog. So um, it's uh, really enabling all of these kind of new sensors like that. And, and again, like other IoT devices, um, what they're doing that's just so incredible is that they, they take these LoRaWAN routers and they're on the blockchain. And so when you, you know, turn them on and you set them up. Which, which 
blockchain? It's, the, it's this, just the helium blockchain. Oh, I'm, I'm just messing with you. You oh, said the, the blockchain. Oh, I know your whole thing. Yeah, I think it's just the helium network. I don't think they're using. It's definitely. Um, it's an Ethereum. It's from an Ethereum. It's from the Ethereum uh, blockchain. Uh, open source chain. No, yeah, they they took the Ethereum chain and built on uh, built off of it. Um, <laughs> But um, but yeah. So when you turn on the device, um, how it uh, what they're doing is um, yeah. When it runs and it it uh, it sends up or sort of it do it does a couple things. I'm not going to explain all of it. But basically, when you turn it on, it mines cryptocurrency. It mines their native token HNT. And what that um, enables people to do is it just incentivizes uh, a network of average people to, to build out this, uh, cool. you know, LoRaWAN mesh network. It's just incredible. So I'm very excited about that project. Nice. So fun story that I have that ties into the, the Helium network. Um, about, oh gosh, it's almost two and a half, three years ago now. Um, I did a, a series working with a, an organization that was supporting um, education through, you know, speech mm. and debate. And we did a, a series where I, I walked around with this little book to their, their classes. And, um, you know, actually we, we sponsored the events where they had, you know, speech and, and debate, um, you know, got prizes, all cool. this fun stuff. Anyway. So, Part of part of the the, I just loved the the model that got kids asking questions from both sides, right? So that the debate model is just it's fantastic if you want to educate truly. Um, but one of the the young men who was in you know part of this this process um, is one of the youngest and most prolific owners of the Helium network devices and he was was talking about his tokens and we had this whole discussion actually it's oh, nice <laughs> it's, we, we actually we actually have this for historical purposes um he he was talking um you know asking questions about taxes and mm. how to manage it and you know he was just like all pumped you know about his his helium um and i mean just an expansive opportunity but the kid was like wow right i mean just little 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 guy who saw an opportunity who That's said this awesome. makes sense and started uh, actuating on that and um so yes love great great project um the the chamber is platform and token agnostic and so you know when i told you marina i some of the questions might <laughs> might put me um a position that that i just probably should just keep my mouth shut um i i really don't have uh any any project that i would put out there as the one that i'm most excited about um i'm i'm probably most excited right now in regard to the focus that's being put on this entire um blockchain ecosystem and it's it's really powerful to see who is focused on it? Um, the the organizations, the the country leadership. Um, you know, we we have this this time in history that is going to be um, looked back on as as seminal in in what the outcomes are going forward. So I'm I'm really excited about where we are, and I've I've always been a fan of smart regulations. And I think that's just going to open doors for more innovation um, for for more companies. 
um, actually staying in the the U.S. potentially instead of going overseas to, you know, try to find regulatory certainty. Um, you know, there's there's going to be some, um, I hope, very very positive outcomes uh, for innovation in the very near future. And you know, fun fun projects like Helium will you know provide services that um, will will help people, you know, mm-hmm. over time more and more recognize the value proposition mm-hmm. of the technology. So thank you for yeah. that. That's super, super exciting. Linda, I'll get your favorite project later in private. So, okay. So we can talk about, um, since uh, Linda kind of touched base on this and brought it up a little bit, the omnivores. <laughs> And <laughs> and how does it relate to blockchain technology? Um, sometimes they seem maybe a little bit separate. Um, but if we can start talking about uh, omniverse, I will also talk. I will also love to talk about a little bit of the open source versus private building of this type of ecosystem that Linda you've mentioned, um, and as it relates to the omniverse. What is the omniverse? Yeah, Linda, can you start by defining the omniverse? (laughs) What is the omniverse? Um, It's the universal framework of things. That that really is what I define the, the omniverse as. And in that universal framework of things, any any metaverse can be a thing. And our spaces in the digital world have rules and structure. Um, if you're talking about a DAO, you know, it can be a thing. In, internal to it, it, it has a governance infrastructure. And if we think about how all of these different component parts can connect, right, can, can allow for human engagement in any number of them at any point in time and space, this is this is this universal framework of things, and um, one of the the realities that we're we're looking at is that AI is going to play a huge role in the interconnectivity that we have. And I, for me, you know, trying to remember all the usernames and passwords and all of that stuff, um, you know, to engage in the current platforms, it's it's crazy. Like, I mean, just just give me one. Um, seed phrase that is my key, my secret to know that gives me access to anything in a verifiable way, right? That That's what I need as a human being to kind of ease into this. But at the same time, how do, how do we manage all of these complexities of connectivity? And, you know, either with web or without web, right? We have to have it a model that can be implemented using the web as a tool, right? As a thing or not using the web, right? So I'm the same human being, whether I'm I'm going into a digital space or I'm walking into a, a real classroom or a real boardroom um, to, to be able to put my digital signature out there um, or, or, you know, here, it's it's a an agent model 
is something that I think is going to be progressively more and more accepted. The awareness that a digital agent acting on my behalf with my mm. permissions is going to be part of how this universal framework of things works. Um, that's, mm. it's a little scary. Digital, to, I've, to I've never heard that before, Linda, digital agent. Are you talking about someone that's like, like, is there a person behind the digital agent or is it just sort of a, a um, what's it called? A digital twin of us. Yeah, it's it's a robotic consciousness, right? Um, that That acts on my direction as me as a human, giving it direction, but it can learn and do things on my behalf in the digital world. And I, I hesitate with the digital twin um, connection because I have twins. <laughs> um, I have a boy and a girl twin. They're, they're 13 and they don't speak for each other. They don't represent, they are, they are so different pieces. I mean, you just, they're apples and oranges, you know, they're, they're very, very different. Um, so I, I wouldn't say it's a digital twin. I, I would say it is an agent that acts on your behalf in the digital world and can manage your your keys into all of the variety of verses that mm. there are going to be. And you know why why I say it's a it's an omniverse and that's that universal framework um, is because we we can't allow there to be just one meta verse it, it's it's not it's not safe it's not safe for humanity to have their digital space be that contained and so the the future um if, if we can keep it human-centric and and have agency in the digital world we we collectively i just win. want this digital agent to also uh, manage my calendar schedule my laundry pickups yeah. handle my dog walking yeah. manage my kids schedule. like an assistant yeah. <laughs> if they can do all the, of that the, i'm in i'm in <laughs> it's funny yeah. so, so think about think about your smartphone right when smartphones first came out like maybe you had a couple apps right like a really simple calculator some really simple stuff and now, like, oh, my God, my kid can, like, be in a whole different yeah. world on my phone, um, you know, or their iPad. or It's just, yeah. just like this. The, the apps today are, are so complex and, and enable so much. And we're going to see something similarly. I mean, dApps, the, the decentralized applications that have been being created – you know, some they started out really clunky and awkward, and they're progressing. And we're going to have taps or thing applications that allow your agent to learn mm. and then act upon things on your behalf through that new learning that they've had. So, I mean, I could I could tell my agent to, you know, organize my receipts. So that you know, I can I can have my my buckets for for filing the yeah. taxes, right? That's a simple model that the agent can learn the vocabulary and the access points for that data, and and actually do on my behalf. What I want and what I think will happen is we'll then you know we'll progress from the very simple taps to 
a tap that once my agent has learned the process and vocabulary and can access the right touch points, I can say file my taxes. And the aggregation of all of the content and data and the stuff, the things that need to go into doing that well are going to be able to be managed by my agent on my behalf. I, I, that, that's the, I'm, the progression yeah, I, I see. I'm interested in your agent idea, Linda. I've never, I've never heard that before. I, it, it sort of sounds like a, like a, a more automated and like uh, personally controlled Alexa. Mm. There, there could be that correlation. Yeah, but, and yes. I, I, the first and thing there's... I think of too is just the security of it. <laughs> if, it's, if it's holding <laughs> all of my personal private data. Um... You're, you're <laughs> absolutely right. And that's where the multi-key infrastructure mm. is really, really key to that mm -hmm. security so that you're quantum proof and the thing model actually allows you to be future proof because any new technology can be acted upon as a thing because mm -hmm. it has rules, right? So th this is, in my, in my opinion, as this tech stack is implemented, we are going to leapfrog from the fourth industrial revolution, which people are still trying yeah. to define, are into you the seventh because it's, it's going to be that... Do you have um, do you have examples or of anything everyone working on stuff like this? Or are you just uh, absolutely I have have been have been working with the gentleman who um, oh, back when the web was just a thing that you know professors were sharing uh -huh. research through um, a gentleman named Charlie Northrup saw one of his buddies was at the University of Illinois, you know, Charlie saw this, this transfer of data and said, that's going to be commercialized. And his buddy laughed at him. Charlie went and wrote 10 patents that defined huh. e-commerce. And I got to sit at the lunch table with him when he found out who had been the money guy behind huh. the deal. Cause he actually had one of the biggest patent stack sales oh, wow. in history. And um, the, the guys who brokered the, the sale, had us to lunch when Charlie came down to present at the Blockchain Chamber of Commerce headquarters in Atlanta. And um, they, during lunch, they just kind of casually asked, hey, Charlie, did we tell you about the email that we have framed on our office wall? <laughs> Charlie and I are looking like, what, who frames emails, right? So obviously he's like, no, what, you know, what, what is it? And they said, well, it was the response that the winning bidder got when he asked the money guy how much oh higher he bid. And it just said, whatever it takes. <laughs> wow. And it was signed Bill Gates. Oh, wow. Yeah. So since that time, Charlie has been working on, oh, I, has, I have to tell you the rest of the story at the lunch <laughs> table. As soon as Charlie heard that, his next words were, were my current patent stack will dwarf wow. that one. And what he has created over the past 13 years that's backed up by almost 700,000 lines of code is the tech stack that allows you to go from the physical world into the digital world mm. and back again and have your digital footprint managed mm. on your behalf securely using a multi-key infrastructure through a digital agent that has a robotic consciousness model that is simple enough to be spun up on a raspberry. I'm going to have to do that. Yeah. 
I, I've you, never heard of uh, of Charlie Northrup, uh, so I'll have to do more we're gonna, we're gonna be research doing some on research this too. About yeah. Any relation to Northrop Grumman? <laughs> no, I, I, so. I love that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, Linda. No, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, I, I told Charlie as we were walking out from that lunch, I was like, Charlie, I own the story. <laughs> I just want you to know that. Because I, you know, when you, you have mm -hmm. these like moments of, of feeling like they're historic, like you actually like in the moment recognize the, the gravity of what mm. just mm. happened. Um, that, that was one of those moments for me. And as I've seen his patent stack continue to grow and what's like, actually, I mean, it's insane. Mm. It, it's, it's one of those things that is so, it was, it was so frighteningly powerful that he put it aside and like stopped working mm. on it at one point. And he had a friend that told him, you know what, Charlie, if you don't do this, someone else will, and they may not have the same positive intentions that you do. So if you want to <laughs> help, help support the, the positive impact of this technology, then you need to continue working on it and, and make sure that there's a way to have it protected and to protect against those who might use it against. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, 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 crazy powerful and the the positive implications are like mind-bending there's there's literally a million patents that will be written off of the base of what he has has done and the it, it's it's only you know up to people's ingenuity and creativity how they bring this into their space and i mean i see i see you know an everyday little coder you know human that says oh i really understand x process and they they code that into a tap that then can be used to upskill any agent with that specific that. piece of knowledge and they get royalties off of it for the rest of their lives yeah and this is the creator economy these are like the opportunities that are coming with it at the same time if you're an accountant if you're you know xyz types of of jobs that are currently there if you if you think about what you do as a process, you you better be the one starting to build the tap because um, th disintermediation is is going to happen in a, a way that most people aren't prepared for. That is so cool. Um, so, we are coming up to time here, and I want to make sure you both have. I know it goes fast. <laughs> it goes fast. <laughs> I want to make sure you both have some time to speak about where can people find you, what our events are coming up um, for you and your organization. Um, Whereas, you know, if you want to talk about the organization a little bit on the website, that's cool with me too. Just a mm -hmm. little space to do some uh, spotlight. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Marina. Um, yeah, so I mean, you guys can find me on LinkedIn. My name is just Valerie Spina. I think you'll see a, a parentheses, uh, she, her next to it. That's me. Um, you can also find me on Twitter, same name. And um, 
I'm uh, going to East Denver this week. If anyone is uh, in the Denver area or going to Denver, you know, um, yeah, East Denver is just kicking off. Um, so you can see me around there. I'll be scanning people in uh, tomorrow even. So if you're getting scanned in, you might um, see me. Um, I'm also involved in the Smart Contract Research Forum. So you can go to smartcontractresearch.org and you can see kind of some of the things I'm thinking about and writing about and just engage with us there. It's a really good forum about kind of everything um, blockchain and, and trying to connect academics and practitioners. If you're interested to learn anything about ICAST, our website is icastusa.org. Um, and please reach out to me for anything about, I can answer about ICAST too. It's a really interesting place. It's a nonprofit. You can also donate to us. <laughs> so um, yeah, just um, please reach out if you want to get involved and learn anything else. It was a pleasure, Marina. So thank you. Thank you, Valerie. Yeah, no, thank you, Marina. This has been a lovely opportunity and um, Obviously, the Blockchain Chamber of Commerce, uh, you can go to blockchainchamber.org. Um, that's our official website. Um, we will have some initiatives that are being put up on there. They're not there yet. Um, so we, we had a membership model, and we've transitioned to a initiative model. And so we're, we're right in that transitional time frame, just to, to give you a heads up on that. Um, I'm, I'm best reached on LinkedIn. Um, you can see the spelling of my name, Linda gets g-o-e-t-z-e and uh happy to happy to connect to happy to engage support um the social mandate of the chamber of raising awareness facilitating adoption and inspiring advocacy is what i what i do um and i have a, a hashtag better together that if you if you have anything that you think would be a collaborative connective like net benefit to, to be connected. I, I just, I love being a part of that and supporting it and um, always, always happy to, to help continue the responsible adoption. Oh, love of that. Emerging Thank you so much, you two, for this amazing conversation. Mm -hmm. um, it is my job, I think, right now on this planet to continue to uh, put the spotlight on women like you who are in underrepresented fields. So thank you for being in tech. Thank you for doing what you do for your passions in this world. And I look forward to having you back, honestly, <laughs> and see what's up with blockchain or not the blockchain, but the ecosystem <laughs> yeah. of blockchain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool, Marina. Yeah, I would love to awesome. be back. Would look forward to that for sure. Cool.